They might be giant boy. So this is a movie that you guys will like. I thought it was okay. Oh baby, that was good. I am stupid. I like to cook slop. You want to top that slop? Thought we were gonna have fun here. Yes, queen. Down with guilty pleasures, up with pleasure pleasures. Did we talk you into? Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This week we're asking the question, were we talked into They Might Be Giants album, Flood? My name is Dan, and... I'm starting to enjoy going to Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> my name is Jimmy, and me and my coworkers love the They Might Be Giant song, Dr. Worm. My name is Jeff, and I think I enjoyed seeing David Byrne live more than Bruce Springsteen. Whoa! Wow. Controversial. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah, and Jeff, uh, yeah. I was very shocked by how into it you were. You wanted to try to go back. Um could have told you this off mic but i couldn't get that promo code to work so what promo code the one that you sent us. oh that was more just like we should go again because i want to i wasn't actually <laughs> planning on going again that show is very good i think the thing is is that the springsteen show was amazing it was a yeah. once in a lifetime show Intimate. i'll never see anything like that again from bruce springsteen it was great but I knew what it was going in. Right. And it exactly met my very high expectations. <laughs> yeah. David Byrne, I had I had expectations. Mm-hmm. But the show far, far surpassed oh, the expectations that I, I had like set. That. Yeah. I mean, and, luckily you hadn't watched David Byrne's American right. Utopia. I on didn't HBO on purpose. Max. Yeah. I didn't as well, but I did probably have more exposure than you guys. Mm-hmm. I had seen some clips from like them performing stuff oh, I like what well, yeah i thought i was like okay i like the talking head songs but i don't know any david byrne songs and now some of those songs i'm like well, these are really good yeah and like i went back and listened to like some of the songs on his albums and i'm like yeah this is mm-hmm. really good but even like i bought the record and you know, i put it on and you could just dance to it oh yeah oh, i'm yeah. holding my daughter <clears throat> swinging her around we're bopping and i'm singing and then the song that he did to Janelle Monet is like, Eric Garner, say his name. My wife thought that he was saying Aaron Carter. And I was like, that is a very, very funny. She's like, I love Miss Aaron Hero. Carter. She's say like, Aaron name. Carter, say his name. <laughs> Aaron Carter. <laughs> Yikes. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was very good. It was very thought provoking and just mm. fun. It was, it was. Yeah. When it opened up spoilers, if you ever want to see American Utopia, but it opens up with David Byrne just at a table and holding a brain. I was like, this is going to kill me. (laughs) I was like, this is going to give me an existential crisis. (laughs) And it does. It does. Yeah. Jim, how did you and your coworkers get into Dr. Worm? Yeah. So randomly, one of our uh, one of my coworkers, Danny, um, he brought up Dr. Worm one day. He was like, it's the most wholesome, fun song. Mm. And so it turned into a tradition that every Friday we play it on like our computer and we just sing along to it. It's very wholesome. But we also have a mural. I don't know why this started or how this started, but we all drew our own interpretations of Dr. Worm because <laughs> he's a worm that likes to play the drum. He's not a real doctor, but he is a real worm. Um, so we mm. have post-its. We have probably i would say close to 100 post-its of us drawing dr worm and it's like our own little mural 
It's fun. Yeah. And to that, I say that I have no clue for. I don't. You know. don't know the song, Doctor no. Worm? Was it on they this album? Call me Doctor Worm. No, it's on uh, Tire Damage or whatever it's called. Yeah, I've, I severe don't know tire that. damage. There is a song by Ween called Ocean Man. Yeah, and that's Ocean kind of the, yeah the song that I know because my my brother in law was much younger than me a few years yeah. ago. We were at the beach. And he kept singing that, and it got stuck in my head, and I'm like, this is a catchy song. Yeah. I knew that from the SpongeBob SquarePants movie yeah, soundtrack. That, I think that's where people knew it from. Yeah. But it came out in the 1990s. Yeah. So, guys, on this episode that we're flashing back to, I attempted to talk you both into the album Flood by They Might Be Giants. It's from is yes, a, this, one of our early record This was our third record roundtable, which came out January 28th, 2020. Mm-hmm. So, almost two years ago now. So let's sit back and take a listen to that episode, and we'll come back at the end with some thoughts on where we've been since then. Mm. This is pre-pandemic, man. We've been through a lot since then. I meant in regards to They Might Be Giants. Oh. Specifically. Oh, I thought you just meant, like, in general, in life. <laughs> I've been listening to too much David Bob. Byrne. <laughs> So I decided uh, last time we did a record roundtable, I chose Amy Winehouse. You did. And I had a very strong second runner up. So I wrote it down and I've just been holding on to it. I know what it is. Biding my time. So this week, I'm going to talk you guys into the album Flood by They Might Be Giants. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. The reason why I picked this one. I didn't even know you like them. Well, it's perfect for Records and Roundtable because this is pretty much the only album I like by them. Okay. <laughs> um, not saying I dislike them. I just haven't really been exposed. Yeah. So going on what Dan said, the point of a Record Roundtable, in case you haven't heard our episodes, we want to bring a, a like Dan, he brought up They Might Be Giants. He's not a huge fan of the band, but he really likes this one album. Yeah. So it, it kind of started because there was a group, uh, Tegan and Sarah, that I wasn't super into, but I really like this one album. So that that's kind of what sparked the idea. Mm. So we're all going to pick albums from groups that maybe we like one album, two albums, not necessarily their whole discography. He's not trying to talk us into They Might Be Giants. It, exactly. might, it might happen, but he's just trying to talk us into this one album. Yeah. And the reason... So let me try to think back on how I got into this album. I remember knowing a few They Might Be Giant songs because just a friend of mine, like in high school, was a fan of theirs. And they were sort of like peripherally in the culture. Like some of these you might know as they well. They did an Animaniac song. Yep. And um, they've done work in a few animated things. Tiny Toon Adventures, I believe, mm-hmm. they did the theme song for. I didn't know that. I, they're don't tiny, quote they're me tiny. on that. Hmm, they're don't, all a little loony. They, they were involved with that series. I don't know if they did Come the theme the song. Fun. Uh, but anyway, so peripherally... What happened was I realized that a few of these songs that I knew happened to all be on the same album. So one year for Record Store Day, they released a special anniversary edition of this album, Flood. And I picked it up because I was like, oh, I know three songs on that. And it's a cool release. And it's, you know, interesting. Yeah. And I ended up really liking it. I mean, I think that happens to me more when I own the vinyl because you're sort of forced to listen through the whole thing. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're on Spotify, you could just pull out those three songs and add them to a playlist or whatever. It's one of the great excuses as to why you should still listen to vinyl in the digital age. That's true. Yeah. It's more engaging. So they might be giants. Um, they're sort of a duo with a with more of a band around them, but it's primarily oh, like these two guys. Um, 
we'll get more into it in the second half about their history, but this album, Flood, it's their third full length. It's their first album released on a major label, Electra. And um, I picked it because, not to say it's only about Jeff, because I think Jimmy will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's got pop sensibilities. It's got very interesting music theory-wise. Some like They do some interesting choices with key signatures and key changes. They're, you could tell they know what they're doing as far as composition. Nice. But for Jeff, um, they they might be giants, and specifically this album, always reminded me of something that Jeff spoke about, which was, what if Weird Al just put a real album out, like a non-parody, non-comedic album? So I don't, I really don't know much about They Might Be Giants. I might know the three songs you're talking about. I'm not sure. But they're, to me, Weird Al is like his own genre, right? There's not like, there's not com- comparable artists. But a lot of Weird Al fans love They Might Be Giants. Because um, they do flirt, yeah. flirt with some levels of comedy. Um, they're all over the place stylistically, which is a big market. But they're also like super, uh, super tight, right? Yeah. Aren't they really talented? Yeah. And they work like accordion and organ into their sound. So I think you're going to hear some similarities okay. that you really like. And, and Jimmy, like I said, I think you'll really respect some of the composition um, and some of the musicianship. Some of the songs that I sort of was referencing earlier, um, Birdhouse in Your Soul. That's like a great song. It's very weird. I encourage you guys to read the lyrics on these when you okay. when you listen to them. And even well, look didn't into they the do meaning. the the Big Bang Theory theme song? No, that's Bare Naked Ladies. Ah, uh, okay. Um, which sort of coincidentally could be like this genre as well. But yeah. anyways, um, Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yeah, that's the song. Was that Tiny Toons or Animaniacs? I don't know. That's, that's Istanbul was Constantinople. That's on this album. Oh, okay. Um, there's some funny stuff. There's a really like messed up and hilarious song called "Your Racist Friend" about <laughs> what it's like to be stuck in a party with someone who's like racist and we you don't all want to cause got a scene. One. We all got one, and Jimmy is ours. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. So, Jim, do you have any uh, exposure to They Might Be Giants? Um, I think you played a little bit for me not that long ago, and I was like, oh, they sound pretty good. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, th- I think they're a lot of fun. They're very interesting. And the songs on this album are catchier than what I consider a lot of their releases. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, and they did go on in the future to release some like very critically acclaimed children's albums. So you could see how... Yes, I have heard that. They could um, sort of connect with that catchiness and that sing-along nature. Dan, as we are recording, yes, and we are talking about records, I believe yes. yours is first. Ooh. Yes. So what did you have us listen to? I had you listen to the album Flood by the band They Might Be Giants. And I guys, need, we will be spoiling this I album. I need to read They are giants. Because I wrote down the album Flood. Did I listen Flood. to the right one? <laughs> yes. Okay. Are you speaking Naderlander at the time? <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys think of Flood? My first impression, before we even say anything, is that I am, all caps, SHOCKED that Dan likes this. Really? I I wouldn't picture this as something that you like enough to talk about on a show. Maybe, like, you listen to it and you're like, not bad. It's perfect for a record roundtable, though, because it's literally the only album I've listened to by them. Oh, It is their number one album on Spotify. Yeah, it's pretty much their quintessential work. Right, so track by track, we're going to break this shit down. Uh, Oh, yeah. We don't have to get too in-depth on everything, but we're still going to hit every track. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, So, theme from Flood. Okay, skip. (laughs) Oh, it's fun. I love albums that have, like, little weird openers and closers. Yeah, but what am I going to say about it? What does the world keep turning round? 
Jimmy, what'd you think? Not much to it. I, I thought it was funny. I, I do think it, it it's funny that the world is rejoicing mm-hmm. that uh they, there's a new album by They Might Be Giants. Where it, which is pretty funny because they're like not a huge band at this point. It's yeah, this is their first major second release. album, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I thought it was funny. Like it, I could definitely see how that would inspire like other comedy albums to do that because I know Ninja Sex Party opens up an album every uh, like every album like this. Like they'll like have an introduction. Yeah, I'm okay with intros, <laughs> but like if I'm listening to an album, even if I like it, I'm I'll just usually skip, skip it. it. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. need to listen to it. Yeah, I would probably skip this too, but it is funny. It's only 28 seconds. All yeah. right, well, let's move on to Birdhouse in Your Soul. Yeah. So right off the bat, this is my favorite They Might Be Giant song. Oh, okay. Hmm. I think it's the most interesting and the most catchy. I also think it's their biggest hit. What did you guys think of Birdhouse in Your Soul? I thought it was good. Um, I wouldn't say it was my favorite song off of this, but um, I thought it was pretty good. It's a it's kind of a song about a blue canary nightlight. Exactly. Yeah. I had to look that up because I didn't really know what yeah, it was too. about. But that's what it's about. Um, I, I I didn't know what to expect going into this. Um, you know, I've heard a couple songs, but I didn't know when you said they were a duo. And I was like, oh, how's this going to work? Um, I think that the vocals were pretty nasally. Wasn't expecting that. Not yeah. necessarily a bad thing, but I just wasn't expecting it. They can, and be. it had a, a an interesting digital composition because for some reason I thought this was like a full band. I thought maybe it was like two guys, but it was like they mm-hmm. recorded as a full band. So I thought it was interesting because I wasn't expecting that. The instrumentation in this definitely sounded like a song that could be on the radio today, which I think was pretty good. It, it sounds like they were like. Not innovators, but they were definitely ahead of the curve. It's really hard to pin them down because they do work with other instruments. They do perform they do. live later with a full on. Band. They do right, and and even on this album, it's all over the place. Some things are completely digital. Some pl- things are a mix. Um, there's some weird instrumentation. You get accordion on tracks. Right. So after I listened to this and started taking initial notes, I found an article from Rolling Stone where they interviewed uh, the band about this album. They broke it down track by track, and they were talking a lot about. Uh, like a some specific type of Casio keyboard that they had. And at the time in mm. 1990, it was like, it wasn't new, but it was still like pretty crazy to bring it in um, on a major release on an album. And uh, a lot of their budget for making this album went to like three songs. And this was one of them oh, yeah. because it was like expensive to get that sound at the time. I thought mm. that was pretty cool. There's a lot of layering. There is on, yeah. on all this. Yeah. Um, but to me, like going from the theme to this is kind of interesting because it's weird. It's weird, and it's I wouldn't call that this album a comedy album. There's definitely no. funny moments, mm-hmm. but there's I would call it an esoteric album. So there's like it's sort of all it over the borders place. Borders on novelty, right? But it's not. I want hmm. I want to go that far. I mean, we get into the next track, "Lucky Ball and Chain," which is one of the funnier songs. Yeah, the accordion hits hard here. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, I, I I really like this one. It's it's a classic country western like thematic song yeah um, he lost his woman yeah and, and now he regrets it but this is this is like a song that really borders on novelty because you already have a genre change mm, um you have yeah. like gunshot sound effects in it which i <laughs> thought it was fine it blended into the music and it like set a mood and set a tone but it's also not like done for comedic effect so mm. it is in between comedy and novelty yeah it's weird what'd you think of this one jim yeah it was really good <laughs> um i thought it was really funny like even just the title i find is really funny like my lucky ball and chain yeah like i don't know just he took distance. her for granted and now she's gone uh i mean yeah. um the one thing like i think i may have mentioned in the first part of the episode but um the reason why i think jimmy might like this is because even when things get weird and and off kilter and stuff these songs are still hella catchy 
Yeah, they definitely I lost are. all oh, the key ball and chain. There's one on here that we'll get to that I've been singing for like two weeks <laughs> in my yeah. head and I can't get it out. I do appreciate the tuba at the end. I do like a good tuba. Yeah. Oh, you're uh, a tuba boy. Really? So then uh, I may have misspoke earlier when I said Birdhouse in Your Soul was the biggest hit because Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yes. That may be their biggest Knowledge hit. Knowledge is fun and I know this bop. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, I didn't realize. It is a cover. Yeah, until researching this, mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was a cover song. Yeah, I, I I knew that for a little while, but I thought it was originally them for years. Yeah, um, and uh, popularized the, by them. Yeah, the music again a genre change, which I really like. I thought it was done well. It mirrors the the Middle Eastern culture, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's like insensitive or cool. I can't tell. I kind of want to listen to. Um, well, first of all, I I would say that at the time it was recorded, I wouldn't say it's insensitive because people weren't really cognizant of cultural appropriation i mean as you much. could use that argument for any sort of intolerance or yeah and people do or, yeah um it, it's possible but i would i'd also be curious to listen to the original because i wonder how much of the middle eastern melodies and stuff are in there or if they put that in themselves. and that's the thing too because that goes back to what like the 50s maybe yeah it's mm-hmm. the 50s yeah, yeah i did so. take a quick listen to it and it is very different. It sounds more like a barbershop-y kind of song. I noticed that the group that recorded it was like a, yeah. a vocal quartet or something. I definitely like this version a lot better. Um, but yeah, th- I thought the song was really good. I do like the beginning. It sounds kind of like a Zelda song. It's educational, too. You know, I learned yeah. a lot. I didn't know. I don't know what the hell Constantinople is when I'm a kid. Now I do. I don't even know what Istanbul does. It's nobody's business what the Turks. Yeah. That's it why was, I don't bother with it. It was confirmed this was on Tiny Tunes, not Animaniacs. Yeah, I did yes. look this up. Dead. Right. Is he <laughs> is he dead from expired groceries? Like I didn't get or it. is he the groceries? I take it literally that he was reincarnated as a bag of groceries. Oh. Yeah, this was weird. This is a weird song. <laughs> yeah, it's piano and vocals only. Um very strange song. It's uh, built like an old vocal round. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting I didn't think it was very funny. And I think that this song was supposed to be funny just because of the subject matter, and I didn't find it funny. This is one that I group under esoteric. I don't think it's like funny because I don't think it's obviously the concept is weird, right. but it doesn't go so weird that it's like like punchliney. So for me, it's just a weird idea that they turn into a song, but it's also again very catchy. Yeah, so very catchy. We're, we're five but songs. We're five tracks in. Okay, keep singing. Keep going. <laughs> Keep dozing. It's really good. Um, we're five tracks in, and right now, after listening to this, I wasn't quite sure of the appeal of this song and the album as a whole mm-hmm. up to this point because I'm just I still can't place like I don't I don't I don't know. Yeah, but let's move on. Maybe I know. Maybe I learn. Because I have a feeling that the next song, "Your Racist Friend," yeah, was a big one for you. I'm always the racist friend in every group. <laughs> no. no, I'm not. But I think the subject is relatable, and I think this is possibly yes, the most weird Al of the album. Yeah, I was thinking mm. that, too, because I didn't write that down, but the music, it's so of its time in the best possible way. Yeah. It's just like a snapshot of uh, pop music and the instruments, and this is another one that's like real heavy on the keyboard, the Casio keyboard, and it is very weird Al of the late 80s, early 90s. It's like that uh, UMF Unbelievable. Oh! Oh, that song you know it's it's really just like this silly weird fun dancey i i don't yeah, know how to explain it's it. got that weird um early 90s mixture of like the slap bass from like it's d- like dance hall music yeah, with like distorted electric guitar it's mm-hmm. like toe jam and earl soundtrack with yeah Guardian. yeah it's so cool um yeah and there's like there's a guitar solo out of nowhere they yeah. just throw it in and there's a trumpet solo out of nowhere also it goes to like marimba <laughs> yeah 
it's it's great and the lyric and it's funny because it's like this really upbeat fun song but it has a pretty serious message yeah. to it that's really relatable to everybody i think everybody has uh experience been stuck in that. a conversation at a party with someone who you're rapidly realizing is racist yeah i, I have a few stories like that that i won't bring <laughs> this party down and tell you but it is not <laughs> Not Jim, a good time. Jimmy, what did you think of this track? Uh, surprisingly, I, I did really like this, but I did like the vocals a lot with this too, like the harmony and like, yeah, they are nasally, but it kind yeah. of like, that's like sort of the purpose there because it's supposed to be like breaking through like this sort of like hard, grungy uh, yeah. guitar. And it helps when you're doing harmonies and stuff. Like, yeah, it is. Not to nerd out, but as Jimmy and I were like choir geeks in high school, <laughs> um, and especially like Jimmy sang bass, but I sang tenor some of the time, and they would always tell so, you does to that like- make Jimmy daddy? Oh, yeah. yeah. They would, uh, Papa, Jimmy sang bass, yeah. Danny sang tenor. Uh, <laughs> they would tell you to like pull the sound forward and like yep. basically get more nose. nasal because yep. that's how you cut through right? and like make it just not sound muddy. So to me, that sort of works in this band. Yeah. But yeah, that, that interested me and I liked it. Yeah. It was a really good, really good song. Still relatable after 30 years, which is pretty sad, but yeah, you know. Does anyone here beside me want to see a Particle Man comic book? Yes. Yeah. The, the only note I wrote down for this, well, I wrote down too, I know this song because I've heard it before. Um, I'm not sure where, but this it might have been a cartoon. Tiny Tunes. Tiny Tunes. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Um, if a comic book was a song. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. But like a weird comic book that our friend Caleb would read. <laughs> yeah, but like it's like Particle Man and Person Man and stuff. Triangle yeah, but there's man. there's yeah, been a lot of like man. weird um deconstructions of comic books and comic books in the medium, yeah. In in comic books themselves that are done pretty well. And this is just another silly one. Yeah, I would read about a gang of super friends like Particle Man, Triangle Man, Person Man. Who's the who's the last one? I forget. Anyways. Universe Man. Yes, thank you. What did you guys think of this? It was very it was funny. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like this because like, sort of just like the music kind of like went with it. Mm. Like, um, I don't know. They're talking about like sciencey topics and stuff like the particle man. Is he water or like, uh, does he get wet or does he make them wet? Like, I don't know. It was very weird and very strange, but like, I just love like the, the instrument is kind of like clanging together, like every other beat. Yeah. And it's also funny. Like they make artistic choices sometimes to use like shitty sounds. Yep. Like, so we just heard a song they had a realistic marimba part with real <laughs> trumpets. Yeah. And then in this one, we get a trumpet solo that's very clearly a trumpet sound effect on a bad keyboard. <laughs> which, which, as time has gone on and fake sounds have become better <laughs> and like solely digital music, like, you know, trap and all this popular music uh, genres that are out now, uh, has not aged well. But I think it was an artistic choice. I like it. I, I don't hate it because I, I placed it in 1990 and I think that it was good. And I like the like what you're trying to say is the juxtaposition of the right. They versus. could have had a real yeah. trumpet play that they chose to go with the fake sound, which yeah, is interesting cool. to me. Yeah. Um, Twisting. What do you guys think of this? To me, this stands it, out as one of the more like normal, like pop themed songs on the album. Yeah, yeah. The Casio keyboards on full display here. It's like a, a total surf rock and roll. Yeah. Pop but song. This sounds a little bit like a beach boy song. Yeah. It, it sort of reminds me of like early, like Weezer mixed with like beach boys because mm. you get like tight vocal harmonies, but there's also some like grungy, like garage rock type stuff. Um, I played this in my, in the car and my dad was like, this sounds like the Beatle, uh, the Beach Boys, if they were playing in the nineties. Yeah, and I, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jeff. Yes, we want a rock. We do. We want a literal rock. Yeah, is the point of the song. We want a rock to rap. Everybody wants a rock. 
To wrap a string around? To wrap a piece of string around. Yeah, I, whatever. Like, if if you, I'm talking to this uh, and I listen to the album again, I'll just skip this song. Really? Yeah, I didn't really care. Did you get into the lyrics, song. Jimmy or Jeff, on this song? I looked into Vaguely. them because I wasn't sure what it meant. And uh, I, I believe in the article, the band said that it doesn't mean anything. They just try to be silly. Oh, really? Because I read something about how it's supportive. It's kind of like about how like to motivate each other something about that oh we're getting real different takes i had a theory and i sort of looked into it and from what i heard sort of backed up my theory which is that it's about the futility of consumerism (laughs) so at first (laughs) no think about it though (laughs) okay it's just funny that the band said that it doesn't mean anything and you got that out of it the article i read was from the singer so maybe he says different things to different people that would be that would be really very cool that'd be very (laughs) Very but he says like literally the first part of the song is an advertisement for a rock to wrap string around and then the next part of the song is about a prosthetic forehead to wear on top of your head so everybody wants a prosthetic forehead to wear on top of their head i can see that it's literally like commercials for completely useless products yeah I could, yeah, I can kind of see that. It is, it is, it's a fine song. Like, I, I don't know. So the next track is one that I skip when I listen to it. Really? Because I think that it's better than the last one. Really? It's the biggest concern is that uh, Mr. Horrible keeps getting his chair moved. Yeah. And he gets Mr. angry Horrible. over it. But I, the point of the song is to like not sweat the small stuff. Yeah. yeah. And don't let the little things get you down. I think that's and also, I a pretty think good that message. There's way worse stuff going on in the world. And he's just focused <clears throat> on this little stupid thing. So what? Keep moving my Yeah. Am I singing I like too much, it. Jeff? No, I, I like the singing. I, just, <laughs> I like it. I Jeff's just glaring at me. I don't have anything to add. I, okay. I was looking at your weird smile while you said it. Hearing aid. Yes, it is. This is some fun music. Very it's, fun. It reminds me of um this game called Earthbound, which is just has like weird music. Yeah. But um yeah, the music is really good in this. It's bassy and there's like a melodica sounding synth, but uh-huh. not really a melodica. So they're doing a lot of stuff with uh, the keyboard that I really like. Um, hate the vocals. OMG is what I wrote down. Don't remember them off the top of my head, but at the time was not feeling it. Um, I'd agree. Yeah. So it's like, if, if I remember correctly, somebody has a hearing aid and they turn it off so they don't have to like hear a coworker. Yeah. Complain. Something like that. To be honest with you, I'm forgetting this one. There was this girl in my middle school, and she had hearing aids, and the teachers uh, in the early to mid-1990s had to wear, like, these big, like, microphone kind I of I remember that. Things. Yeah. So the, the student could hear, because she was hard of hearing. She wasn't deaf. And um, during certain classes she didn't like or didn't want to be there, she would turn off her hearing aids. And at one point, she fell asleep in class and was snoring because she was going <laughs> to hear anything. I'm like, that's cool. That's, that's me. It's a cool superpower to have. That's, That's really funny. You just song. threw me back to like 2001. I was yeah. like, Ooh, I forgot about that. Wow. Letterbox. Nope. Minimum wage. Oh, minimum wage. Minimum wage. wage. It's like a really bad 60s educational video soundtrack, and <laughs> I am here for it. It's oh, really? really funny. To me, it reminded me of Gunsmoke or Rawhide. Yeah, Rawhide. yeah. It's just like that too, but it's minimum it's, wage. It's of the same time. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's all, it's, this I is, don't this is understand the it, song but... on the album yeah. and it doesn't really have a point, <laughs> but I just love it because yeah. that's my favorite part of it. I like it. that. There's no context. Yeah. yeah. So I literally good. just wrote down, just look at the lyrics page because it was, <laughs> cause I was going through the lyrics like song by song. And then I just got to that one and it just said minimum wage. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause I was like, on one of those websites that tells you like the meaning behind song lyrics or something. Yeah. And uh, 
obviously like the band has not commented on the song minimum wage at all right but one fan was like the only thing i have to say about it is if there is one through theme in the music of they might be giants it's that they hate working jobs (laughs) <laughs> like literally like oh, okay. it's about just how shitty it is to like yeah. work a nine to five job like with the mr horrible one yeah um then we get to letterbox <clears throat> it's a fast-paced tongue twisting romp yeah um i'm not sure if i like it or not like the music's the music's fine i like the wordplay that they got going on in there not really sure what it's about but like it's it's fine I thought it's funny how he's messing with like double and triple negatives and stuff like that. Yeah, so I like I like that, and I think that might actually just be the point of the song. Yeah, it yeah. feels Which like is it fine. was of, like an exercise in doing that, almost like Bob from Weird Al. Yeah, like did Which just, every line is a palindrome. Yeah, so on this one, it feels like he was just like, oh, let's just like talk really fast and use a bunch of like double, triple, quadruple negatives. It's fun. It's really hard to try to sing along with. <laughs> well, yeah, I could definitely see that. I just wrote down, I like when people sing fast. Uh, what'd you guys think of Whistling in the Dark? This to me feels like, um, this is one of the songs where I could really see where they hit these genres on the head, like, really well. Mm. Um, like, this song, it, it felt to me like a weird, obscure, like, night SNES game. Hmm. Like, I don't know how else to describe it other than that. But it was a good song. It was fun. I don't remember it. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I I either forgot to take notes or I was gonna go back. Whistling in the dark, whistling in the dark. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was, it was. I guess what I'm saying right now is that that's what I feel about the song. I just it's yeah. There is like memorable. a little catchy part right before that where he's like, oh, be what you I, are. I do remember that. Yeah. I still have nothing to add. I'm sorry. I think it's just really the song is about um just committing to being self-aware and like being okay with who you are and stuff hotcha this to me is my is isn't like the worst song on the album okay i'm very glad you said that because the (laughs) the first note i put an asterisk next to is this is so weird i really am shocked dan likes this this particular song (laughs) this particular song yeah 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 because it's like i don't know what the hell it's about I, I think it's it's catchy, but like cheap sounding too. So the keyboard works against them mm, here. Yeah. And it, it's jazzy AF, which is cool. Like it, it's another thing, like they're doing another genre and t- that's what I think taking their spin on it. But yeah. Jimmy, what do you think about Hot Cha? Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the song either, but it, it, this was another one where I was like, they're just like just picking a genre and they're just sticking with it. Like this felt to me like a song from like a mystery cartoon or something. Well, and I think that this song very like apparently was just their attempt to make a jazz song because yeah. someone asked um one of the guys what hot cha meant and he said, Oh, it's the sound that we use to describe the song to each other. Hot cha, hot cha. Like the the drums, like <laughs> yeah. jazz drums. Yeah, exactly. So that's all it is. I think they just wrote a little jazz song. I like that. Um, speaking of genres and expo- spanning their horizons, women and men. It's like an Irish jig. They're exploring the seas. Yeah. It's a fun little genre. This piece. is one of my favorites on the album. Yeah. It's a good one. It's also very upbeat and lyrically incredibly depressing. <laughs> it's about overpopulation and yeah. men and women just reproducing and swarming over the earth and using up all its natural natural resources. Yeah. Women and men. I can't stop singing this album. <laughs> I like it, dude. Let's just keep keep singing. Did we get to your song yet that you're singing like crazy? Not yet. We'll get oh, there. Oh, boy. It's close. I know where it is. Probably. There's only like three songs yeah. left. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sapphire, Bullets of Pure Love. Great name. Yeah. I have, to, I have to say it off the top of uh, 
this description because it's just it sounds like a cheesy romance novel. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you know that it's an unofficial sequel to an old instrumental song? I did not know that. There's a song. I don't remember who it's by, but it's an instrumental track called Bullets of Love. Ah. So they were like, we're going to do that, but better. We're adding two descriptors. <laughs> Sapphire bullets of pure love. It's a very Kokomo intro, like later Beach Boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, organ heavy. I like that. I'm, I'm loving the keyboard. I don't know if you guys could tell, yeah. but I love all the different Is things. Is this bringing you back it. to your good old days of ukulele Prendergast? <laughs> and Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. uh, two bands that aren't real that I was in. <laughs> um, but yeah, the song's about just like outrunning somebody shooting at them. Mm. It's cool. It's a little... Little fun little song getting shot at. It's a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, it's a vibe. That's about all I would say about it. They might be giants, boy. boy. Been sucking my head so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly and good, and it's like on their third album, and it's their like theme. I like when bands do that. Yeah. When they have songs that are titled after their band. Where the like, bloodshot, where the bloodshot, <laughs> who the <little> kids. <laughs> I just um, put that on one of my playlists. It's pretty good. But when it's not on like uh their first album, I just love it. It's so fun. Um, yeah, it's like very Pee Wee's Playhouse theme yeah, song. I wrote the exact same thing. Oh, man. It's their most catchy, but also their most musically weird. Those little stalls yeah. in the middle where everything just falls apart and fades out and then they come back in. I thought the song was over and I was yeah. like, no, I want more. I got more. Like three times. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's such a weird place on the album. 18 out of 19 tracks. <laughs> yeah, that's my only complaint. It's so I think it's so funny that they did that. I don't know True. what their reason was, but I loved it. Yeah. This, this sort of reminds me of the the corny song that they had to do in Inside Lewin Davis. Boy. With uh, oh, yeah, Adam yeah. Driver. You just like, one, the outer? Yeah. <laughs> Space, <laughs> yeah, it is sort of like that. It's got that '60s vibe, oh, which I, I think forgot Adam Driver was in that. Yeah, that was like 2013 or yeah. something. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, Pee Wee's Playhouse was definitely inspired by those like weird early '60s children's yeah. songs, yeah. and I think this comes from that same vibe. Yeah, I I really like the song. It was great. Dear um, Mr. Kennedy, by the way, is the title of that. Track. Oh yeah, Road Movie to Berlin. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> um it has a feeling of finality which is it appropriate for I like um, the last track of an album um then it has that weird interjection in the middle and then goes back to like yeah there's there's like song. um there's a lot of whistling which i dig because in in the band elvis presley which we just mentioned which i was in we had a song it was a D based band and we had a song called loot the corpse and i had a whistle solo and it was really fun yeah it's fun little i fun played little sound effects on that song <laughs> you did yeah you had a keyboard that played sound effects are we they might be giants yes but way <laughs> worse they might be ice giants yeah wow. there you go jeff let's do it boy so overall thoughts i mean before i get into what you guys think i do do want to say like i was a little worried on re-listening through this that i that i may have picked an album that was a little daunting jeff picked an ep jimmy's album was fairly short short in number of tracks and i picked a 19 songer but several yeah. of those were like short yeah. kind of not really yeah. songs. i was hoping that you'd feel that way. um in I, reality before, it was like I, 14 songs before yeah. i listened i did not feel that way i was like 19 tracks what is this and then when you doing? get into it you're like vibing right through it yeah. i i list, i wrote all my notes on one lunch break after i already ate so yeah. it's not like it took a long time mm-hmm. so what'd you guys think overall uh overall i think it's sort of like a it's it's like if, if me and my friends were talented, I would probably make an album like this. Yeah. Sort of like pretty clever. Um, the the music is like all over the place. It's very fun. Yeah. Um, 
I, I like what they're doing with music and new instrumentation at the time. Um, there's a lot of experimenting on there. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not too outrageously funny and it's not really serious. And the things that are serious are dealt with very lightheartedly because there are a lot of mm-hmm. themes on here that are pretty. They could get dark. There's like um, losing a love, <laughs> yeah. getting shot at, dying population, literally dying mm-hmm. and death. Um, and it's all very light. It's very, very easy to consume. Okay. I guess it's that time Ooh. when I'll ask you, Jeff. Yes. Jimmy. Yeah. Did I talk you into the album Flood by They Might Be Giants? Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's so, really good. So I'm, I was, this isn't a super convincing <laughs> album. It, was, it wasn't like a really like hard yes. I wasn't like, I need more of this. Um, and if you didn't talk me into Flood, you've talked me into listening to more They Might Be Giants. Okay. Because there are a handful of songs in here I really did like and are catchy, but there's some that I wouldn't place on an album that I'm saying is, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's definitely ups and downs, but I will say that um, I sort of talked myself even more into Flood through this project. That's good. That's what this podcast is for. <laughs> well, because what I want to tell you guys is that, um, you know, there's a few songs that I would just skip that have now become, like, things that I'm really into mm. so i think that if you give them a few more listens they'll even grow on you more because they do have catchy choruses so even if they're weird i think you'll get more into it i did find myself coming back to it a lot like if i was listening to music like on the drive home or whatever like yeah i'll throw this on it's great like, even that. after i already wrote down it's a notes. great driving album yeah it is i uh, can definitely see myself picking up the uh, lp on this yeah one thing i did want to mention too because i forgot to say in the first part of the episode is if you don't think you've ever heard they might be giants they did the theme song to Malcolm in the Middle. That's oh. the theme song I was thinking. Of. You're not the boss of me now. Yeah, that makes that sense. That whole thing. That's that's they might be giants. Hmm. Great. Guys, we're back. Yes. We just listened to that episode from 2 years ago. And Jeff and I were talked into it. We were, yeah. I was I was a light talked into. Um, I oh. have I have not listened to this once since then. Really? Or any they wow. might be giants. That's sad. I know Jimmy has. I F with They Might Be Giants a lot, actually. You guys saw them very shortly after this episode came out. Yes, we did. And it was quite fun. I enjoyed the show a lot. Did they play Dr. Worm? They did. Did you get wormy with it? I didn't know the song at the time. Uh, However, the show was the anniversary tour for Flood. Flood, So they played the entire Flood album. That's cool. I like when bands do that. Yeah, that was really fun. They didn't play it in order. They were like, every show we're going to do a different way of That's doing this That's actually set. very funny. <laughs> also, yeah. also annoying if you really wanted to hear the album in order. Yeah. Uh, well, they did some weird stuff, too, because this was the end of the tour, and they were like, we're really sick of playing Flood. <laughs> so they played yeah. one song completely backwards. backwards. Yeah, Sapphire that was Bullets of True Love. Mm. They played backwards and they're like, there's no way to learn a song backwards because you can't play backward notes. Right. So what we did was we listened to it backwards a lot and we learned to imitate how it sounds. <laughs> so they're like, yep, yeah, that was the whole song. Yeah. That's pretty funny. It was great. Yeah, it's pretty funny. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen a band do. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah, they killed it. They were really good. That show. We were dancing, singing, moving, grooving. 
Jim, have you gotten into any of their other albums since then? Not really. I do like Severe Tire Damage a lot. There's a lot of good songs on there. There's also like live versions of songs on there as well from Flood. I think you picked up the first album too, didn't you? I did. I've only listened to it once, maybe twice. I like that one a lot. I think yeah. it's a good companion piece to Flood. I got to listen to it more for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I F with Flood a lot. It's usually on my rotation. I talked my nine-year-old niece into Flood pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, her version of Dr. Worm is Particle Man. That's like the mm. most wholesome, lovable song yeah. for her. Particle Man, Particle Man. Yeah, yeah that one's really good. Uh, so yeah, I think, uh, Jeff, you should go back to listening to They Might Be Giants. Maybe I will. I mean, I think that I was so mad at this episode, too, because I was like a soft yes. I was like, all right, yeah, I didn't hate it. I'll be a yes. And then I shit on Jimmy's album. You shit on my album. Sounds right. Yeah, Yeah, you should. uh, Listeners should go back and listen to Record Roundtable 3 to hear the full context of that. That was a Daft Punk one, right? No, this was Deer Hunter and Defeated. Oh, that's right. So ironically, uh, when I joined the current band that I play in, Disqualifier, uh, before I was in the band, when I was just a listener, I was like, oh, they're like a punk band with Weird Al singing. <laughs> then I realized they're like a punk band. With They Might Be Giants. Yeah. Yeah. And turns out Mike, our lead singer, is a huge fan of They Might Be Giants. <laughs> that's funny. So I'm like, cool. So listen to They Might Be Giants and then maybe listen to Disqualifier. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I mean, that's we were we talked into it. Yes, we were. Yes, we, we answered the question. I always have been. We answered the question that we, we set out to find the answer to. So until next time, you can find full episodes, real episodes, not these fake ones that we put out on TalkMeInto.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. Wherever very cool podcasts are fi- found. That's what I, I always type on social media, on Instagram. Jeff Google's very cool podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Where can you find very cool podcasts in the trash with Talk Me Into? Oh. Side tangent. My parents are at the age where they go to Google and type a web address in the Google search bar. Oh, I do that too, but that's (laughs) out of laziness. I mean, you you can do that now. But with the dot com and everything? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's funny. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's very funny Jim. well it's the first result that comes up i've actually seen my mom pull up the google defaults the google well that's her default web page and in the google task search, search bar google. she's typed google.com <laughs> and i'm like yep you're you're there you're so, already that's there that's pretty good because like i mean now you type in the search bar it just brings you to the, the url bar Okay, this is very, very not entertaining. Hey, guys, if you want to be entertained. Dr. Worm, bro. Listen to Dr. Worm. It's not what I was going to say, but listen to it anyway. Uh, check out our new our new show on YouTube called Soda Discussions. Yeah. Dan and I host, and we talk about soda. We drink soda and then talk about it some more. Jimmy is producing, and he is the director, and it's really good. If you want to know what it's about. Here's my SAT style explanation. Talk me into is to pop culture as so discussions is to pop. Oh, I want to do an episode actually about name conventions for soda. Should we call it soda? Should we call it pop? Should we call it something else? I like it. Soda with an R because you're from the tri-state area and you're of Italian descent. Fizzy. Fizzy water. They might be giants, boy. Boy.